The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. We're your host for today. And uh, we are with our friend Bethany, so thanks for joining us. No problem. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. (laughs) Uh, So, well, we're here in the Middle East for a a business missions conference, and so I work with the missions organization called Back to Jerusalem. And if anybody's ever heard of um, Brother Yun, the Heavenly Man, uh, that's our organization. So we work with the Underground House Church of China, and we're super passionate about the Unreached and the 1040 window, and so we connect pretty well. Awesome. And uh, in case you didn't notice, uh, Bethany has an accent. So (laughs) she's. you have the accent. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe one or the other. (laughs) Yeah, I'm from the UK, so I run our UK office. Okay, awesome. Well, hey, uh, if any of you have not read The Heavenly Man by Brother Yoon, we highly recommend it. Amazing really book. Powerful, powerful book. Some would say life-changing. Some would say life-changing. Some would say. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people have been <clears throat> not only inspired, but really compelled to put their faith into action more and more, uh, I think, by reading that book. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we thought, man, what a great opportunity um, to talk about missions and what is a missionary. So I know you had brought that topic up before. And so, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, while we're getting to that, Mm -hmm. one of the things that's striking to me about this particular topic is how a lot of people view it. So, um, not too long ago, I was talking to a group of men much older than me. And, uh, one of the men, a newer Christian, um, was standing in the middle of the circle and he was kind of saying, Hey, like, I don't understand international missions. Like here in the United States, we have so many lost people and, uh, we really, like, we really should, you know, be preaching here in our country. I'm, I wonder if that happens in Britain also. Yes. Yeah. So there's this, there's this mentality among believers to say, Hey, why aren't the missionaries staying here right here at home? There's a lot of need. And I, my response to him was, well, the church is here. And uh, he didn't understand what I was saying. I, I once ha- had somebody, and they were fairly new to our church. So our church really tries to focus on mission a lot. Um, and they were fairly new. So mission was kind of a new concept. Because there are some churches where mission is not a massive part of their church. And it doesn't have to be that... Let me be careful here. It doesn't have to be the number one driving force where every Sunday morning we're talking about the unreached, right? Because you're going to isolate a whole bunch of people because you yeah. have most people in the <clears throat> church who are not necessarily, I'm sure we'll get to that, but are not necessarily called to get on a plane. Sure. Uh, that, that being said, though, I think that uh, the entire church should revolve around the Great Commission. Agreed. Yeah. But that doesn't always have to be limited to the unreached. Yep. yep. So the Great Commission can include your neighbor. Yep. doesn't make you a missionary. Absolutely. We'll get to it. So yep. <laughs> anyway, so she'd come from a church where, you know, mission wasn't this huge thing. Mm. 
as we would perceive it. And so she was really trying to get her head around this whole mission thing. And, and she said, I just, I just don't get it. Mm. I said, that's okay. That has to be okay. There has to be a space where people can say, I feel like I'm supposed to understand it. And so actually I'm scared to say what is mission or what mm. is a missionary. And maybe that's why we're having this conversation because when we're not able to have that discussion, how can people understand what a missionary is if they're not even allowed to ask what mission is? So I had a conversation with her and she said, yeah, the thing is, I just think, well, they've got their own churches, so why can't their own people do it? Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, of course, there are people that have no idea. And we were talking about some numbers, right, the other day. There are people that have no clue that there are whole people groups that have never heard the name of Jesus. That it, it's not that they have, you know, your, uh, maybe your child's teacher that you've tried to talk about Jesus at parent-teacher conference and they right. kind of went into it. Right. Or your neighbor that you invited to a carol service and they kind of went into it. What's a carol service? Oh, I'm sorry. Is that British? <laughs> I think so. Oh. <laughs> Either that or it's real old school. I, I'm, remote, I, I'm I imagining it's a Christmas. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It's like a traditional Christmas service where you sing yeah. the old Christmas songs. Yeah. That's British? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe uh, maybe no, just not in the West. I don't it, know. It's more traditional probably. And, uh, yeah, every church in the UK will have a carol service. Yeah, no, Christmas. not in, yeah, okay. Okay, and so you invite like your unsaved neighbor because it's the right. nice thing, it's Christmas. Sure. Yeah, we do that too. But. Right. But, but this is not that, right? <laughs> the one time of the year we get evangelistic. But Yeah, but that's true. But that person saying no does not now make them unreached. Yep, that just right. makes them... Lost. Right. Whereas this to try and break somebody into a concept, who and this person had grown up in church, that there are people that have no, no idea that that opportunity even exists, mm, that that yeah. name even exists, that that whole belief system even exists that, that Christmas even exists you know right and so to break that down to her it was a, and she's still working through this whole new and so how have we gone so wrong in churches where it's not even just that people aren't involved it's that there are Christians that don't even know that the enriched exists right uh, something like sixty-one percent of Christians, I thought it was, have never shared their faith. Yeah, and sixty-four percent of Christians don't know what the Great Commission 51. is. Fifty-one. Fifty-one. Sorry, fifty-one. I apologize. Fifty-one don't even know what the Great Commission is, which is like that's that's a that's a big deal. More than half. So the majority of believers don't know the Great Commission. Um, now, a phrase that you mentioned from that person, maybe representative of a lot of those who don't know yet. Uh, about the Great Commission and what it looks like, especially on the frontier, the unreached regions. Um, well, can't they just, their churches reach their own people? Mm-hmm. It's not a bad statement. Like, actually, I think if more of us would adopt that, yeah. we might reach more places. Number one, because, check this out, of 400,000 cross-cultural min- missionaries, only 3% go to the unreached. Only 3%. Now, we might think, well, that doesn't sound so bad because there's not that many unreached people, right? Except there are. 42% of the world belongs to an unreached mm. people group. 3.14 billion people. Unreached people group. So around 0 to 2% Christianity and many who are less. So there's a 39 that. percentage point discrepancy there. Yes. Yeah. Between 
the number, the percentage of missionaries going to the unreached and the percentage of the world's population that is unreached. So that's like a we're, serious issue. We're sending people to already reached places with churches already established. And it's like, hooray, I'm going to pick up my life as a missionary and go to a city that has dozens of churches and... Well, I mean, there's a stat that says that the number one receiving nation of missionaries is the U.S. <laughs> yeah. So for us guys in the U.K. and the, the U.S., let's say, we're spending so much time just swapping missionaries, having a nice time, you know, visiting the Pride and Prejudice film set in the U.K. Wave at each other, <laughs> wave at each other while we fly by. Yeah, and like visiting the White House in the U.S. and we're saying right. we're doing mission. And this is the point we have to get to is... Somebody who is sharing the gospel and and called to New York City, or right. someone who is called to Yorkshire, where I'm from in the UK, does that mean that they're not fulfilling the Great Commission? No, but right. we have to draw that line. No, yeah. it does not. If someone's listening to this and they're not a missionary on a plane. That does not make you not a believer. That does. Well, this comes back to our discussion. Should we yeah. go to that that we had? Right. Yeah. So ultimately, we're we're getting to this point where. I th- we think that one of the reasons that there's been so much confusion is because we've misdefined these two words, missionary and believer. Because there's this whole movement of people right now saying, well, I'm a missionary to my to my business. I'm a missionary to my, my uh, school. I'm a missionary to these local places where I am. And then the word believer is kind of... I've trusted in Christ. Right. It's it's disconnected from that. So receive salvation. Right. I.e. missionary being defined as someone who loves others and maybe proclaims the gospel to them. Maybe. <laughs> That's what is being defined as a missionary. Is that true? I mean, if we're thinking of the Great Commission, mm-hmm. making disciples of all nations, hey, well, what if I'm doing it to my neighbor? Is that not missions? No. It- <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think, so we can say that we started our conversation, for everybody listening, we were sat in some sand dunes, it was a very beautiful location. It was. The sun was going down. Camels around, Arabs in there all get up and probably none of them know Jesus. Yeah, Charlie is like trying to get this guy saved that brought us on the tour, (laughs) (laughs) and so we're leaving him to it, Uh, and we're kind of all just chatting the group that we're with, and... And uh, we just kind of started sharing, and it came out of a place of frustration, and it wasn't necessarily a frustration with people, I don't think. Right. Uh, It's not the people's fault, I don't feel. Sure. Because we're saying if people don't understand what the Great Commission is, that's a a worldwide or a Western church issue. Sure. That's not their specific issue. So the the lady that came to me, it's not her fault that she didn't know what mission was. It's a... whichever group of believers yeah. that she has been with for so many years, right. it's on them. Sure. Uh, so we were kind of having this conversation and we were kind of getting really into it and we were starting to get frustrated about the fact that people, uh, anybody will call themselves a missionary, but I don't think that the issue needs to start with the fact that the definition of missionary is wrong so much as the fact that the definition of believer is wrong. Exactly, yeah. if you start with getting that right, then the mission thing becomes obvious because it can't just be the same thing. Right. Right. And so I think that typically we define believer, like Charlie was saying, as someone who has believed. They're saved from their sin, they're headed to heaven, and they spend their time volunteering at church or, you know, running their own life, but they say they're a Christian. And that's what differentiates a believer from anything else. That might even be like a real committed believer right there, volunteering at church, man. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) uh, For for whatever reason, that's, I mean, that's unfortunately an extreme definition for whatever reason. 
But we want to redefine believer to be something more along the lines of what Jesus intended. And I think that we've been dancing around it this whole conversation, which is that a real believer is someone who participates in the Great Commission wherever their feet take them. So if their feet take them to school, or if their feet take them to work, or if their feet take them to the retirement home or whatever, wherever their feet go, they're supposed to be sharing the message of Jesus. Yeah. That is that is what it is to be a believer. And going all the way back to that story that I was telling at the beginning, that's what I meant when I was saying, <clears throat> well, we have the church here. Like, there's literally hundreds of thousands, millions of people out there saying that they're Christians and not opening their mouth to share the message of Jesus because this guy's expectation is that's the missionary's job, which is a problem. And what we're talking about right now, uh, you have, if you listen to Fuel for the Harvest, you've probably heard about this a billion times. That's what we would call a laborer. Right. Uh, someone who's getting out in the harvest field, wherever their feet takes them. And that might be someone in the U.S. going to their school. It might be someone that lives in a highly unreached region, but they became a believer and started reaching their own people. Uh, those all can be laborers, no matter where they're at in their own context, uh, engaging others and, and making an impact, which is highly, highly important. Um, they began to put their faith and their belief in action. So we believe that all true believers and followers of Jesus should become laborers for the kingdom wherever they're at. Right. Which leaves us with missionary. Yeah. So how do we define that? Because that kind of sounds like what many people think a missionary is. Yeah. Right. Make an impact, share the gospel, love people wherever you go. We define that as a laborer, which is the natural outflow, outflow of a true follower of Jesus. Missionary isn't in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It would kind of be nice if there was a, a bit of a dictionary at the back of the Bible, you know, that kind of gave some key terms and a definition <laughs> so that these things weren't so debated. Wait, it's, yours doesn't have one? <laughs> to know what version you have. <laughs> In some ways, it's a good thing because it enables us to have these conversations yeah. and you kind of have to dig a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. I say that to say that I think the term missionary is only been coined for convenience mm. to make that distinction. So it doesn't have to be the super spiritualized, this is Jesus's definition of missionary. No, relax. It doesn't need to be that deep. But I think it helps us to understand a different role within your walk with Christ or somebody else's walk with Christ. And to be a missionary, the understanding is that there is a cross-cultural uh, choice or movement happening. Mm. So we were talking about how um, a lot of people in our team at B2J will be referred to as missionaries if we go and speak at a, a conference or a church or whatever. Kind of the administrative team at B2J. Yes, yeah. or even those of us that travel. <clears throat> yeah. may, may we just pause right there. Mm. Some of you listening may have no idea who is B2J or back to Jerusalem. Introduced it. But like, what? why don't you just... Right. Unpack a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. What is the mission of Back to Jerusalem? It's easier to maybe not think of us as a missions organization. Yeah. Because then we have to stay in a neat box, <laughs> which we're not great at. And for those listening, you pro- you may have heard an episode uh, earlier on with Eugene Bach. Uh, he he is part of this organization as well. It was an episode on Buddhism. So anyway. Right. It's a great podcast. Uh, okay. So we um, are a missions organization. We do not own missionaries. Um, we do not necessarily send missionaries that then become owned by us. So we're not mm. a missions organization in that sense. We, we're called back to Jerusalem because it's a vision of the Chinese church to evangelize the areas between China and Jerusalem, to take the gospel back to where it came from. And that area 
we sometimes will call it the land between the walls. Great Wall of China, the Western Wall of Jerusalem. Mm. And in that area is the most unreached areas of the world. So the Chinese are essentially going through all these areas, you know, think India, the Middle East, parts of Northern Africa, um, to evangelize the most unreached areas. So our organization exists to facilitate that. So um, these Chinese missionaries, when they're sent out, for anybody that doesn't know, the, the revival in China, we're talking like about 30,000 new believers every single day inside of China, mm. roughly. It's very hard to quantify, right. but they're the numbers that have been coming up over yeah. the past few years. We're talking church networks of millions of people. Words, yeah, beyond anything that any of us really can grasp in our minds. It, explosive. But the, the, the thing that's super unique about this revival is that so many of the Chinese, when they're saved, they get this missionary call. They don't get saved like a, in some other revivals. You get saved and then you have a, a, a heart purely for your nation. The Chinese love their nation, mm. but they also get this, this missionary call. And so the B2J vision is for 100,000 missionaries to be sent out into this area of the world. Mm. So we enable that to happen. So we enable Do you know roughly how many have been sent so far? I don't. It's so hard to get an idea. Mm. Eugene would have a better idea than I do of, of exactly the numbers. Uh, but people said it would never happen. You know, mm. People would say the revival wasn't real. They're, they're not ever going to leave. They only speak Chinese. And, and Chinese is, is quite a... It's not a culture that really can be generalized. It's quite specific. Uh, but we see it happening all the time. We, we like so Panda Express in the West, is that not? <laughs> totally. <laughs> we like sweet and sour. Uh, <laughs> great. So that's what we do. So that's just kind of a, a little bit of a help is we help the underground house church of China do what they need to do. We help the missionaries get out on the field. We support them for as long as they need. Mm. But ultimately, they will always become self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, we're stuck with a, a very select amount of missionaries. Yeah. Rather than get them out, get them out, get them out, give them the tools they need to be able to survive and do what they need to do. And they so, will always answer back to their leader in China, mm-hmm. rather to us. So essentially, you guys help launch and mobilize them and get them into places. Right. Uh, and, and help them to have an impact there and be sustainable. Yes. Uh, they... Now, so they won't be necessarily connected to you guys as an organization. Like, this is our missionary, mm-hmm. and we control that. They'll be connected to their church network back in China. Um, so it's almost like, in a way, they're kind of on their own. Like, they're a normal person who just decided to pick up and move, and you guys help facilitate that. But now they're in another country, and they're just living life there and seeking to, of course, make disciples and make an impact. And there's a big thing in the West where missionaries go out where you must be under an organization yeah. and you must do it ABC and mm. you must sign this policy and you must do it that way. And that's all for accountability. And so I think it's a really positive <clears throat> thing. Mm. But we also have to be careful that if people do it a different way, particularly yeah. in a different part of the world. And for people, you have to remember that... Um, it's not illegal to be a Christian in China, but it is illegal to be a disciple of Christ in China, let's say. Mm. To live the way that, that we're called to live is, is mm. completely illegal. So things have to work differently. Yeah. And so, yes, they, they do not go under you know the same rules and regulations that we would have. Sure. And, uh, and they answer to that, you're right, to their leader in China. And so if what their leader says, that goes. We don't mm. get involved. That, that's who they answer to. Uh, so that's what we do. So we have, like, I'm office staff, um, but we also 
I'll let out of the office every once in a while <laughs> onto the field. They don't lock you in to, there. <laughs> to meet, not, well, we have been for a while because of COVID, <laughs> uh, to meet with these guys on the ground. So when we go to churches, they'll sometimes will we'll refer to us as missionaries. And we're not. Mm. And I say that we're not because, I mean, our lives revolve around mission. We're wildly passionate about mission. We're kind of only passionate about mission. You know, mm. don't have much room for anything else in our hearts most of the time. But I haven't picked up and crossed a culture and planted my roots and given my heart to a people group and done everything that God has given me at my disposal to invest everything I have to see them saved. Mm. Um, are we involved in mission? Yes, of course. But for us, we're not actually doing that. And, and the level of sacrifice it takes to be a missionary, everything that you have to give up, and, you know, I don't, that's not something that I experience. That's not something that I feel that I have to carry or, or have, you know, or is a burden that I have to carry. And so we wouldn't consider ourselves a missionary, but. It's also not a hill to die on. Sure, yeah. You know, it doesn't have... So we're having this discussion because it's interesting to us. Yeah. And I think it's helpful particularly to talk about the difference between a missionary and a, and a believer. Sure. I think that's really important. But I'm not offended if somebody calls me a missionary. You right. know, it doesn't have to be this super serious, deep thing. Mm. But it does have to be super serious when a believer or, or a person can be saved and feel that that's it, yeah. that their role is now done. That is super serious. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a fascinating topic. And I actually think that we could see a definition example of missionary in the Bible. Um, I was at a conference called Finishing the Task a couple years back in California, a conference completely devoted to finishing the Great Commission in unreached, unengaged people groups. And um, so lots of people go to, uh, it's it's hosted at a church in California, and they have various people of all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of denominations, all sorts of churches come and unite together to say, how can we finish the mission, and what remaining people groups are still unengaged. And so I remember Nick Ripkin, he wrote this book called The Insanity of God, really crazy book uh, of the persecution of believers around the world. And he made this statement uh, he's like, you know, the word missionary is not in the Bible. Um, you know, the the more biblical term would be apostle. Now, we all get scared <laughs> for a second. We'll just slow down when I say that. I don't mean like the original 12, I can write the scripture and speak with absolute authority. No, not like that. Um, that did exist in the scripture. There was a special place for that. Um, but we also see people like Paul and Barnabas sent out in Acts chapter 13 as sent once, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas, and they started traveling from place to place and crossing cultures. Uh, we also Before see... the others. Yeah, for the right. Most part. Yeah. yeah, and Epaphroditus right. was considered an apostle in Philippians, the end of Philippians chapter 2. Now, how do I know that? The Greek word is apostolos, and if it's kind of funny to me when we do this in English. It's almost like we never translated the word. Apostolos, I'm kind of tired today. Uh, let's call it apostle in English. What? <laughs> no, it means messenger, most simply. And so you'll see in English, in Philippians 2, Epaphroditus is called a messenger. Sorry. Bless you. It's not COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, whereas Paul and Barnabas would maybe be called apostles. So it's kind of funny where the designation, the line gets drawn. Whatever the case is, they were all messengers crossing cultures, and the connotation of the word would be 
a messenger like an ambassador mm. sent to a location on a mission. And when we think about ambassadors, they're sent to other nations to represent the cause of their other nation within that nation and within the new nation. So I kind of think about missionaries like that. They're launched into a new location, a new region, a new nation to represent the kingdom of God in that and place. let me ask, do you think that missionary and evangelist are the same thing? Or are they different? I think they're uh, different. different. Yeah. Okay, how are they different? I think that... That was, that, a, that was a very decisive response. <laughs> I think different. they're very similar, uh, uh-huh. whereas an evangelist could be within their own culture. Right. Uh, you might have a weird mix if somebody's doing both. Uh, we kind of tread the line weirdly between <laughs> all the things, mobilizing people, doing it ourselves, and being evangelists. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I just listen to Jesus and do what he says most simply. But I think that an evangelist might be in a region traveling from place to place and sharing the gospel, leading people to Christ, whereas the missionary call would be like, okay, I'm specifically crossing cultures to reach new people, maybe most often the unreached, right. who haven't heard of Christ. Like the the, de- de- <clears throat> the definitive separation would be what is it building up or whose foundation is it building on? Like a missionary crossing into a new culture might be building on no foundation or a very remedial foundation, whereas uh evangelist is traveling from place to place in potentially even a reached place or just an under-evangelized place, and he's there building a church that already exists. I think also... If we're talking about the definition of missionary, even if people do have, let's say they have a perception of a missionary as being a believer of Christ who crosses culture, mm. you kind of think, okay, we'll get, we're, we're in the right direction here. For us, everybody's different, but for us, that's how we feel. That's a missionary. Um, it can't just stop at the cross culture because I can cross a culture and paint a building yeah. and take a photo and come home. <laughs> right. And I hate this subject because uh, humanitarianism should be part of what we do. Right. In that we love people. Sure. Care for the poor, love people. Get get the humanitarian thing off because that can become secular very easy and it can become an excuse. Mm -hmm. Where actually I'm out here doing humanitarian stuff because it's easier for me than sharing the gospel. Sure. But I'm still going to make myself feel like I'm, I'm being a missionary and doing what God's asking of me. And the, the mission field is a, is a difficult place. Oh, yeah. It's a lonely place, and so it's no condemnation on those that, that find themselves weary in that. That's not what I'm saying. But mission cannot just be, um, okay, well, you guys are saying you have to cross culture. So we crossed culture, and we went to Mexico and, and painted a hospital wall. Sure. Because it has to be ultimately about the Great Commission. It yeah, has to right. always come back to the Great Commission, Someone which is not based on humanity. is proclaiming the gospel and training people to follow Jesus. Right. That's and, what I would, would define it as. Otherwise, it's it's crossing culture, it's Christian, well, maybe not even Christian, it's humanitarian work, it's social work. Being a nice person. Yeah, right. If it's not done in the name of Jesus and leading people back to believing in him and becoming disciples, then... And ultimately, at its worst, it becomes cultural tourism, which you were describing a little bit before. You you know, we go and we visit the set of Pride and Prejudice, and you come and visit the Washington <laughs> yeah. Monument. Like, like that's a serious... I'll say God bless you while I'm there to somebody. Right. Yeah. And I'll say grace in front of them. <laughs> sure, yeah. And, and we kind of try and legitimize this, but honestly, what brings legitimacy to short-term missions and long-term missions is this proclamation of the good news. If no proclamation of the good news is happening, I don't mean to be, 
unintentionally harsh. Maybe I do. But, like, if no proclamation of the gospel is happening, then it's it's po- it's pointless. It's like, not a mission trip. It's not... All, all, yeah. all, all you've done is make someone's life a little bit better, but they're still on their way to hell. And, like... What why, difference does yeah, that make? Why? Yeah. Why? And, like you were saying, like, it's not that we throw away the humanitarian side, yeah. because James makes it really clear. Jesus' example is really clear. Like, there's this humanitarian side. We're caring for yes. people... But why are we caring for people? We're caring for people to open the door to proclaim the message. That's the whole, yeah. that, that's where we're headed. That's the trajectory. And so we need to cast this vision moving forward that as we cross cultures, we're saying, hey, as you cross a culture, open your mouth. You have to open your mouth. We've talked about that quote that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but he didn't ever actually say it, apparently. Uh, Preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. Mm. Right? I love the quote. Words are always necessary. Right. I love the quote because it it says something unique that a lot of people don't hear very often, which is, always live your life for Jesus. Like, that's what, that's really the thrust. That's what he's trying to say. Right? But ultimately, people have used it as an excuse to never open their mouth, which is like, if you look at the book of Romans... People don't believe unless Look someone opens the ma- their yeah. mouth. Come on. Right. <laughs> but Jesus never opened his mouth. <laughs> right. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's an excuse. Yeah. I think uh, a great example would be Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. He spent, I don't know, an hour with this guy. Impossible to know. The, but it doesn't feel like a long time. The Holy Spirit, it's not more than half a day. We can say that. It's not more than a day without a doubt. It's not more than a yeah. day, yeah. Uh, the Holy Spirit said, go down this road. He goes down that road. He travels. He travels. Finally, he reaches the Ethiopian eunuch, another culture, another guy, and uh, shares the gospel with him, leads him to Christ, baptizes him, and poof, he's gone. Holy Spirit actually took him away somewhere. Who knows? Reappeared on the road. I, yeah, I'm still waiting. Wouldn't that just be... I'm waiting oh, for that gift still. I, <laughs> I pray for I'm it. so waiting. Lord, I want to appear preaching in North Korea and then just disappear when they're coming after me. So. Honestly, just for convenience. I just don't <laughs> yeah. want that flight. I know. I just don't want to be Hey. I mean, but we're as close as we've ever been. Like, we didn't have to okay. walk or get in yeah, a boat. Yeah. So we don't have a lot to whine about. It's so true. <laughs> when you think about, like, the Hudson Taylors and the oh, Marine Monsoon, especially yeah. for the women, yeah. like, you're on a boat with a for bunch months. of, like, aggressive people <laughs> for a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. And you're never going back for the most part. Right. Yeah. So we, we've got it easy. Let's be honest. We're as close to teleporting we as we can. Know. I yeah. wish we didn't have it easy. Yeah. Because I think it's so... It gives us an out. It means that if I'm on the mission field and things get a bit uncomfortable, I'll just go back. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not... People that, that take that step to go onto the mission field have all my respect and admiration and all my prayer. So mm-hmm. that's not what I mean because things can get so difficult out there. But there's a level of... This is going to sound like a left turn, but it's like the way we view marriage now, right? Mm. People go into it knowing that divorce is an out. It's an option. Yeah. Mm. When Hudson Taylor got on that boat, going back wasn't an option, because mainly because the journey was so awful, it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. And so once you got on that boat and you went to wherever God was calling you, that's it. You're in it. And that's what I love about the Chinese is they're in it until... God or their leader, and you hope that it's the same message from both, <laughs> says to them, leave, or go here, or mm. change, or this is not, oh, let me just see how it goes. Sure. It's not a test run here, because it's it's so much bigger than just, let me see how I feel. Absolutely. So I actually think we've missed something by it becoming so easy. Sure. 
Anyway, yeah. Philip and the Ethiopian. I'm so sorry. No, 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 no that's no. Uh, it's always fun to take the rabbit trails. Yeah. So uh, I love the rabbits. We're in the chariot. <laughs> yes. So he proclaims the gospel. That could be a one day mission trip, but what we see is proclamation of the gospel. That's what he's focused on, and uh, God sent him there to do that for that purpose, and then he sent him somewhere else. Uh, and so, yeah, I think we have to be focused on people coming to Christ and becoming disciples. And I think that if that's the focus, their societies will transform when the movement continues and ripples effects and more and more come to Christ and there's a multiplying movement happening, then their society is going to be changed. Their hearts are changed. Like, why would you not want to see somebody's heart changed and then all of a sudden they're going to have everything they need to fulfill a better life anyway. Now we a better life with a caveat. Yes, you're going to suffer for Christ. What's you're going to be persecuted, but you'll be full of joy, full of love, full of peace and uh have eternal hope. Eternal hope and um we see time and time again though that over time entire societies and nations are transformed yeah. when more people come to Christ and human equality is better, human life is better, human rights are better, uh education is better because people start to care for each other, care for their neighbor. Uh, they want to develop and grow mm -hmm. and not remain oppressed. And so uh, while we say sometimes or we lean toward let's just do the humanitarian things, it doesn't work if that's our only, like if that's our only activity, it doesn't change anything really over the long term. Um, a great example, you guys wrote an article on it recently, Afghanistan. Mm. Uh, all the policy, all the things over years and years and years, it just crumbled in all. We could say, now this is exaggeration, it crumbled in a day, it essentially. It did, yeah. Let's call it a week, yeah. a month. Yeah. Uh, but the gospel wasn't allowed to advance. Um, even uh, the political leaders were saying, you can't bring the gospel in there, so we're going to let them be Muslims, we're going to let them, but we're going to try and change everything else, and it didn't work. Whereas places we see that the gospel is on the forefront, it's almost like the humanitarian things naturally happen anyway. Their life and their society changes and is transformed because their values change and they're trying to do what Jesus told them to do. Yeah. So anyway, the definition of believer versus missionary, missionaries are crossing cultures, they're proclaiming the message, they're going where others potentially have not gone. Hopefully more and more missionaries are going to places where others have not gone. Not the U.S., that's all. Yeah. That's all we're asking for you. And then believers are, are the everyday laborers, the everyday feet on the ground. And so next time you consider thinking to yourself, well, why aren't there more missionaries here in my home country? Maybe the reason is because you're there and God has called you to so, proclaim the message to your friends, neighbors, and lost people in your life. Yeah, that's huge. And I don't mean that to come across sarcastically, so please don't hear it that way. I, and with deep authenticity in my heart, I desire for every believer to, to participate. Huge difference. Um, any of your neighbors, if they wanted to, they could come find you to hear about Jesus. They could, I'm guessing, drive five minutes and find a church, knock on the door, talk to the pastor, or go to a Barnes & Noble, or if you have Christian bookstores nearby, or any bookstore. I'm sure they could find a Bible there if they wanted to. Or how about Amazon? Do you think they could find a Bible on Amazon or any Christian book that exists? Yes. Uh, now you might live in a remote farm place. Okay, you got to drive an hour to find a church. Sure, we get that. But for the most part, 
every single person in a reached context can find a church, find a Bible, hear about Jesus if they want to, get on the internet and search. Whereas in unreached places, they're often in restricted countries where there are no Bibles allowed. Their internet is blocked, so they cannot even look it up online. Uh, there are no churches. There are no believers. So let's say even if somehow by a miracle they wanted to hear more, they can't. A missionary is needed to go launch into that culture and bring the good news. And now when a movement is started and people believe in Christ, it will multiply and all of a sudden they will become laborers, believers who are disciples in action, bringing the message to their own people. And let's say that there is a, or a group of believers in an ancient that's mainly unreached. And so people would say, well, you don't need to go. They already have a church there. If you have you know, less than 1% Christian, those believers are going through it. Mm. And we're called to be the body yeah. of Christ. And this is what I love about Brother Andrew when he started Open Doors. Mm. And I remember in um, Secret Believers, his book, Secret Believers, and he's talking to this guy who was born in a Middle Eastern country. Of course, they don't name it. Mm. Um, I assume it's Iran or Pakistan or something. And uh, he became a believer and he left because of the persecution. And he met up with Brother Andrew and he said, I just feel like God's telling me to go back. And I know it sounds crazy and stupid, but I feel I'm supposed to go back. And, and Brother Andrew says, okay, well then go back, obviously. <laughs> He's very, you know, very simple. <laughs> and he said, yeah, but I just, I don't know what to do. And, and could you just mm. give me your strategy and how you do? And, and because I know that there's believers there and they're really struggling and, and what do I give them? And what, and you know, and this guy is telling the story and he's saying, and I'm sat in front of him and I'm asking him everything. And cause I want to get every ounce of wisdom from this man who has just been a hero of the faith. Mm. And he said, uh, brother Andrew said, I'm not going to give you a strategy. I'm not going to give you a three point plan. He said, first seek out the brethren, find the churches and he said, okay, great, I'll find them. And then what do I do? Do I train them? Do I, what do I give them? He said, no, you listen. Mm. That's it. You listen. And I'm, that was the one thing I remember them from that book because it was such a beautiful way of saying, I'm not walking in there telling them what to do. I'm not walking in there with superiority. Mm. I'm not walking in there thinking that I'm better than them. I'm walking in there saying, you're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. We've got the same heart, the same vision. We love the same God. What do you need? Mm. What can I do? Yeah. And to leave those believers on the field and to not go when we know that they're there because, well, they're fine, they're safe, they'll deal with their own country on their own. We'll have to answer for that because mm. we're a body and we're supposed mm. to go. Where they're weak, we have to go and try and bring strength. Yeah. And where there's sorrow and sadness, we go and we try and bring some joy and encouragement and prayer. And that's one of the greatest privileges for me of, mm. of meeting with missionaries on the ground is to say, you're covered. There's mm. believers mm. around the world that's got you. You're not on your own. And actually, I have a responsibility as a child of God to do that to others. Mm. Yeah, I think we see Paul doing that as well in the scriptures. He says he would go around in those churches that had begun, those minority believers in a really difficult place. He would strengthen and build their faith and encourage them from place to place. And, uh, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bethany... It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's been, it's been fun. I said to the guys, because I've met Charlie before, and when Nathan got off the bus and I heard his voice, it was so weird hearing it out of his face because I've only ever heard it on the podcast. <laughs> so it's been nice to see both of you well, together there you go. in real life. If uh, people want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? 
They can't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, they can go to our website. Great. Which is just back to Jerusalem. Or so you can email our UK office or our US office, which is just office at back to Jerusalem or office UK. Back to Jerusalem dot com. Dot com. Okay. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks, Bethany. It's been awesome thanks, having you guys. on the podcast. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you would, please, while you're do- listening right now, uh, go hit unsubscribe and then resubscribe so that more people can hear about the podcast. We are so thankful for those of you who share episodes on social media and spread the word. Uh, it's fascinating. More people and more nations continue to listen. Uh, we've had some people listening in Afghanistan, actually, which is really fascinating since we mentioned it on this episode and lots of other places. So thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. God bless you.